Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up? Who's this guy? Who's talking to you here on the podcast? Hey everybody, Sal back with you. Sal Sports and Stuff Podcast. If you're stumbling on this somehow, you're like, wait a minute, how did I did I actually get a Sal Sports and Stuff podcast downloaded into my my browser here, my iTunes store, my Apple store, Google Play, however you listen, if you see it in there, yes, it's me. I'm back. It's a podcast. I'm so sorry I haven't done it. it it's been a lot of reasons, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But thanks for doing this and listening and all that kind of stuff because I don't want to ever kind of go so far away that I just lose people and they forget about it and they unsubscribe. But hopefully you haven't done that because you're here, you're listening, and you knew at some point I would be back. And I am. I don't know how often I could do this, but as you probably know by now, the reason why I haven't spoken to you on the podcast in quite a while is, well, first of all, uh, we were getting into the season. So, you know, things for me got uh, pretty hectic, training camp, all that kind of stuff. But I have a new show and I'm on every day. And I'm with Joe DiBiase, who works at WGR with me. Uh, love doing the show with Joe. It's the Extra Point Show. And during the season, for the last several years, I've done the Extra Point Show every Monday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. for two hours, taking your phone calls, reaction on the bills. And then the other days, Tuesday through Friday, it's the instigators. Well, we've changed things. And now it's the Extra Point Show every single day, Monday through Friday, two hours, 10 to 12 uh, I'm on Mondays, just taking your calls. Joe, actually, I step away on Tuesdays. It's my day off. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's me and it's Joe. And, you know, there would be some times where it's one or the other. I'm traveling, doing my thing with the team and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, that's taken up a lot of my time, just formulating the show, doing the show, covering practice, the time it takes. So I haven't been able to really get back into the podcast here, this one, as much as I've wanted. But here's the other good news about this. This is, you know, something that, I hope that you've taken advantage of. If you if you haven't yet, you need to. And that is that the Extra Point Show is also in podcast form every day. We put it on our Odyssey app. We put it on iTunes. It's right there. You download, you subscribe, just like you do to this one. Find the Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Joe DiBiase on the Odyssey app, on iTunes, Apple Store, iTunes, all that kind of stuff, wherever you pod. Um, Spotify, I think, I don't even know if it's on Spotify. I think it might be. I know this one is on Spotify, but either way, find it, go to our website, download it, but subscribe, subscribe to that. You know, let's get, uh, let's get that thing moving as well. Because when you don't hear me here, you hear me there and you're going to hear me there a lot more. And then I'll still going to, I'm still going to do this as much as possible. I just don't know how often that is possible during the season. So I have some ideas on how to kind of keep this one moving a little bit more. And I apologize for, you know, not being on with you and doing this particular podcast for you for the last like three months or so. So, but like I said, I have some ideas and doesn't mean I can't do this and get some guests and some of the stuff that you guys really like. So here we are today. And the reason why I wanted to kind of do this is to get back into it. 
I felt it was time to kind of take a look back at the first three weeks of the Bills season and then really kind of take a look at overall what's going on in the NFL as well. Because after week number one, I mean, can we just like throw out week number one in the NFL? Think about what happened the last two years in week number one. All right. This year, think about some of the scores. Steelers, 23, Bills, 16. Bills just look like a mess on offense in week one. They have the the blocked punt for a touchdown. The Steelers look really good. They come back. Both teams completely opposite directions since then. How about also in week one this year? The Eagles beat the Falcons 32 to six. Now the Falcons are not great. I understand that. But the Eagles 32 to six over the Falcons. That happened in week one. The Jets almost beat the Panthers in week one. It was 19 to 14. The final score in that one. The Lions scored 33 points on the 49ers in week one. The Texans won in week one. All right, right. They played the Jaguars and they had Tyrod Taylor start and then he went out. But you can understand that one a little bit. Um, Yeah, Cardinals. Yeah, they're three and oh. But I mean, they beat the, you know what, out of Tennessee. They beat the Titan. They beat the Titan out of Tennessee, 38 to 13 in week one, right? I mean, it's just so many different things that happened. You go back to last year, the same thing was the case. So last year, week number one, just run some scores by you here. And you're like, wait a minute, how did that happen? The Browns lost by 22 points last year at the Ravens in week one. The Browns were a good team at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens probably should have beat them, but not 38 to six last year in week one. Uh, yeah, the Bills took care of business, not a huge score. They won by 10 over the Jets. Looking over some of the other scores uh, that happened last year in week number one, because there were some, oh yeah, that's here's one. The Jags beat the Colts for their only win of the year, 27-20. One in 15 overall Jacksonville at the end of the year last year beat 11-5 Indy, who came to Buffalo and took them to the last drive in the playoffs. That happened in week one last year. As well, and then you had the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers losing at the Saints. The eventual Super Bowl champions lost at the Saints by 11 points. So again, can I ask? Can we please just not even think about Week One mattering anymore? Week One seems almost like it's the final preseason game. And last year that would have been the there were no preseason last year. That was really a feeling out period. This year, three preseason games for most teams. The Bills didn't really play their starters until the last one. Maybe they need to look into that to start a little better. They didn't have the greatest start last year against the Jets, even though they won and took care of business. But man, week one was a complete just let's throw it away. Aberration in a lot of ways. I think what we've seen the last two weeks around the league and especially with the Bills is truly who they are, right? I mean, the Bills have looked good the last two weeks. They really have. Now against Miami in week number two, did they really climb up to the standard that I think a lot of people expected them to be? Probably not. Even when they win 35 to nothing to say that sounds kind of weird. And the expectation, you're like, come on, Sal, what is the expectation? Well, the expectation is for this team to contend for a Super Bowl and to look better than they did in weeks one and two on offense overall, especially in the passing game. But I think they kind of figured that out last week against Washington, which I thought was a very good defense. The Bills, it was really like a varsity versus JV game, watching the Bills play the Washington football team on Sunday at Highmark Stadium. I mean, really, Washington had two plays the whole game, just two. They had a short catch that went for a long run, touchdown, catch and run, Antonio Gibson, 73 yards. And then they had the ensuing kickoff that like hit a wall and it basically just you know came down, as you saw, like a turnover basically on the kickoff that the Bills miscommunicated, misplayed. Then they had a short field. They scored off that. Later on, they did have a nice play to Terry McLaurin, but the game was pretty much out of hand. Tredavious White missed a tackle, but... You know, the Bills just, they, they they were in control the entire way 
against Washington. And now they're back to, you know, where they should be. And I think what many of us expected them to be. Look, I, I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl. If you go to WGR550.com, you read my stuff, and you see that uh, back right before the season, the day before the season opened, I have my annual Sal's Crystal Ball. And I did it. I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl and to beat the L.A. Rams in L.A. And I've never done that before. Maybe when I was a kid and they were going to Super Bowls, I did. I don't know. But, you know, I've never done that in a professional capacity when, you know, picking actual, you know, when it matters what uh, what's going to happen at the end of the year. Last year, I had the Bills going to the AFC Championship game and losing to the Chiefs. That happened. So I think a lot of us are hoping I'm right again, right? I mean, I missed on some last year too, but, you know, I called the Bills pretty good last year. I had a feel for this team being as good as they were going to be. And I have a feeling this team is special enough to win the Super Bowl. And if you look at what's going on in the NFL and you look at the rankings, which I tweeted out this morning on my Twitter account at Sal Sports, I think it shows that they're absolutely a team that needs to be taken serious already after three weeks to be a Super Bowl champion, possibly. There's a lot of football to be played. You know, injuries happen. There's ebbs and flows of season. There's no doubt about that. But right now, the Bills are as good a bet, a good a look as any team in this league to wind up winning the Super Bowl. And that's a weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to think about. It was weird for me to pick them. I picked Josh Allen to win the MVP. That hasn't necessarily looked like that's going to happen, but he he played at that level on Sunday, and maybe he continues to do that uh, throughout the season. But I did pick the Bills over the Rams, and interestingly enough, they are two of the best teams in the league. In fact, after three NFL weeks, only three teams in the league rank in the top 10 in both points for and points allowed. The Bills, the Rams, and the Cleveland Browns. That's it. And there's only one team that's in the top five in both points for and points allowed. That's the Buffalo Bills. They're fourth. They're fourth in the NFL in points for, and they're fourth in the NFL in points allowed. They've scored now over 31 points a game. Think about that after scoring only 16 in week one. They've scored 31.3 points per game. They've allowed only 14.7 points per game. Both good for fourth in the league. And if you look at this defense, we've talked a lot about the offense the first three weeks. What's wrong with the passing game? Okay, here we go. Here comes Josh Allen. It looks a lot better now. Yep, Emmanuel Sanders' connection is there. All that kind of stuff. We've talked a lot about that, rightfully so. But really the story of this team right now, I think, is how well the defense is playing. What an, a level, an elite level that these, this defense has been playing at. Look at the, the rankings that are going into this defense right now. They're fourth in the league in points allowed, but they're fourth in yards allowed per game as well, third in yards per play allowed, seventh in rushing yards allowed per game, sixth in rushing yards per play, fourth in passing yards a game, and third in passing yards per play. Now let me give you those seven major statistical categories. Total yards, game and play, rush yards, game and play, pass yards, game and play, points per game. I'll give you the rankings for the defense. Fourth, third, seventh, sixth, fourth, third, fourth. And they have the Houston Texans coming to town on Sunday. Anything can happen in this league, but come on, the Bills are 17-point favorites. They should really take care of business with the Houston Texans, and I wouldn't be surprised if several of those defensive rankings went to number one or number two overall. I also wouldn't be surprised if several of the offensive rankings, which are now trending up and really starting to get back to where we thought they would be, but not quite there yet, if they get into the top 10. Because right now, 
Yes, the Bills are fourth in the league in points scored. So, you know, that, that's already really good. They're 12th in yards per game. They're seventh, seventh, believe it or not, in rushing yards per game and 11th in passing yards. They're right knocking on the door of the top 10 in all three major statistical categories. Now, yards per play, 20th in yards in total, um, 11th in rushing and 22nd in passing. So um, those are numbers that you want to kind of button up and uh, get a little bit tighter. But when the when the offense is playing games like 35 to nothing and 41 to 23, I think uh, 43, 21, excuse me. You know, I think a lot of times what happens there is the other team is is trying to make a big play and they can come up with one and that's going to skew some of those numbers. But you still would like to see a little bit better in the yards per play categories that I just mentioned. Either way, the Bills have really looked like the Super Bowl contender many of us expected them to be. And I think what really gets you more to that point is looking what's going around specifically in the AFC. I mean, you take a look at the AFC standings. It's a, the AFC is a mess right now. It's a mess. And I'm not even saying in a bad way because I think the AFC is strong. They have strong teams. Everybody's kind of beating up on each other a little bit, right? Even Pittsburgh, they come to Buffalo week one. Even what I said about week one a little while ago, doesn't matter. You know, Pittsburgh comes in, they beat Buffalo 23 to 16. These teams in the AFC are kind of cannibalizing each other in a lot of ways. And if you look at the AFC standings, it's kind of like the reverse effect of what you'd normally see. You got Vegas and Cincinnati as the top two seeds right now. Yes, it's only week three, 14 games still to go. But the Las Vegas Raiders, 3-0. The Denver Broncos, 3-0. Cincinnati, Bengals, 2-1. Chargers, not a surprise at 2-1, but a surprise maybe to go to Kansas City and beat them. And especially, you know, the way they did it with, you know, being kind of in control the whole game. Kansas City comes back, they take the lead. The Chargers come back, they wind up winning late. You still have your bottom teams like Jacksonville, the Jets. We figured that. Indy, though, at 0-3, maybe a surprise there. I know they have quarterback issues, so might not be a surprise to some of you. And New England, who's New England? 1-2. I said in the summer that New England was going to try to win games by big-boying football, protecting their quarterback, throwing to the tight ends. They really don't have the skill guys. And the only way you can – and then play in really good defense. And the only way you can do that, you have to have such a razor-thin margin for error. Well, guess up. Guess what? The, the, the margin for error, it, they have not hit that razor-thin margin. They, they've been too wide. That's why they're one and two. You can't win in the NFL in 2021 by thinking you're just going to insulate your quarterback and throwing it to the tight ends. It doesn't work like that. You have to have an ability to spread the field, have some speed, get the ball to your playmakers, have your quarterback kind of carry the load. That's not happening in New England. And that's not an indictment on Mac Jones. He might wind up being a great quarterback. Who knows? But right now, they're asking Mac Jones. They don't want him. They don't want the game to be on his shoulders. They want to run the ball. They want to throw to the tight end. They want to play defense. Well, they're not running the ball as well as they wanted. Now James White's unfortunately hurt for them. And they're not playing defense as well as they really wanted. It's good. It's not the lights out dominating defense that I think Bill Belichick thought he would have. Bill Belichick thought he'd outsmart everybody again. He thought, I'm going to outsmart this league and go big boy football. Everybody's spreading it. I'm going to go pound, pound, pound and win games. Bull. Can't do it. And they're not doing it. And that's why you look at them, who could have been, many people thought, maybe elevating to a threat of some sort to the Bills in the AFC East. It's not happening. This is the Bills division to take. And the Miami Dolphins, I mean, come on. They're better with Jacoby Brissett than they are with Tua Tungavailoa. Tua Tungavailoa, excuse me. They're better with Jacoby Brissett than Tua. There you go. I'll just say Tua. Because we all watched Tua play in that game against the Bills, the first couple series. 
And A, I've been saying all along, he's tiny, right? He looks tiny. And then, you know, he got destroyed by AJ Epinesa. I'm glad he's going to be better and get back, you know, sooner rather than later. You never want to see that. But man, he got destroyed and he's tiny and he doesn't have quite the arm strength or velocity that I think you need to compete on a down-to-down basis in the NFL. And what people said about him was true and the Bills did it. They took away his first read. Jacoby Brissett comes in. He's a backup quarterback. I think he's a good backup quarterback. You could do worse than Jacoby Brissett. I think the Bills have a very good backup quarterback in Trubisky. Again, for a backup quarterback. If you ranked all the backup quarterbacks, you'd put Trubisky right up there near the top. I think you'd put Brissett, I would, near the top of all the backup quarterbacks. But he's still a backup. And their roster is not as good as I think they felt it would be and a lot of people on the outside felt it would be. Their offensive line is kind of a mess. They've spent resources on it, yet they still can't get it right. Their offense is not good. The Patriots' offense is not good. At least right now, none of it is. And we know the Jets are really struggling. The Jets' offense just is not good. What are the, do I have the Jets' like total points? Uh, Jets are 0 and 2. Where are they? Well, their overall net points is minus 50. The Bills, plus 50. The Bills have a 100 point differential between their overall net and the Jets' overall net. Yikes. Is that the worst? Minus 50? I'm going to look right now. Uh, the Bills and Broncos are tied at plus 50. The Jets, oh, Atlanta's a minus 46. But here's the point. The AFC East, this is the Bills' division to take, and they can take it home, and they can take it home quickly, especially given the schedule they have. The offenses in this division, they cannot keep up with the Buffalo Bills. The Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jets. And then you look around the AFC and say, okay, Bills take the division. Now what's the next step? Getting home field, getting that number one seed. Who are their threats? They're going to get Kansas City in two weeks. That's a threat, of course. It's the reigning AFC champion two-time over. Las Vegas? Yeah, you know what? The Raiders will look good. I'm not going to take anything away from them. But what I've always said about John Gruden teams, especially in Vegas, they're front runners. When things are going well, they're really going well. When they start to go south, they really go south. The Raiders will go through their struggles this year because they're the Raiders, and that's what happens. I give them credit right now. They're playing well. They're playing Good good on the offensive side. Good enough on the defensive side. Max Crosby's looking really good. Denver, I don't know. Pretenders probably just given the fact that they played really soft competition. But full disclosure, going into the season, you know, I, I've said, and I'm on record saying, I like the Denver Broncos and kind of their roster, but they're already starting to get some injuries again. Uh, Hamler's out. I, I don't think that you, they have the quarterback necessarily to be someone they can really rely on if things go awry a little bit. Uh, not like, you know, Josh Allen, if he's playing at an MVP level, you don't need your defense to be on their A game. And they have been. Whereas in Denver, if that's the case, you if Teddy Bridgewater is, or if the defense isn't on their A game, you might need Teddy Bridgewater to be better than he is. I guess that's the point I'm making is they don't have the franchise quarterback to step up and fill the void if things aren't going quite well. So is Denver really a threat to the Bills as a number one seed? I would say no. They still have to play the Raiders twice. They still have to play the Kansas City Chiefs twice, the Chargers twice, and that goes for the Raiders too. And everybody there, again, they'll probably cannibalize themselves. Cleveland, they look really good so far. I like the way they run the ball. They played better defense last week, although it was against a Bears team starting Justin Fields. Still some questions about the defense. Pittsburgh looks like a mess. They are not the team we saw week one. I do not expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to be there as the season goes on, despite that week one win in Buffalo. Baltimore? A little bit up and down, I think inconsistent, you know, with throwing the football. Lamar looks really good running. He's dynamic, of course. Uh, their defense hasn't been quite as good, I think, as uh, people are accustomed to seeing in Baltimore. Cincinnati is an interesting team. 
But who from the North really, I mean, maybe, I think Cleveland's the best team in the North. Are they a threat to beat out the Bills for the number one seed? Look at their schedule. The crossover divisions, if you will, for the Cleveland Browns and the rest of the AFC North is the NFC West. So they have to play out of conference. They have to play the, actually, is it the NFC North, it looks like? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Let me look at this. Oh, they have oh, yeah, they have that extra 17th game that I'm not taking into account. Um, they have to play the NFC North, excuse me. They have to play the Packers. They have to play the Vikings. These are winnable games. They can, but their matchup is also crossover with the NFC team is the Cardinals. So um, they also got the Steelers, the Bengals, obviously, looking at their schedule, Ravens a couple times. I think the Bills' schedule is more favorable. But, hey, you know what? Looking at it now, the Browns' schedule is uh, – they, they have opportunity. Look at the Bills' schedule, though. They have the Texans coming up. Then they have two night games at the Chiefs, at the Titans. The Chiefs defense is, what is it? I don't even know right now. It's not playing good football. Uh, The Chiefs defense is near the bottom of most major statistical categories right now. Uh, The Titans, a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde. That's going to be a tough game. They're running the ball really well. They're playing better the last couple of weeks after that week one debacle. And then what is it? Dolphins, Jags, Jets, Colts, Saints on Thanksgiving, Patriots, Buccaneers, Panthers, Looking pretty good. I mean, these there's opportunity, especially in the middle here. Dolphins, Jags, Jets, Colts. There's four games right there. Bills take care of business against the Texans, which they should. You got a couple of games, Chiefs and Titans. Would we take a split there? If you get to three and one, if you get to four and two after six, I think you might, considering the next four games are all extremely winnable and the Bills will be heavy favorites in almost every one of them. If you get to four and two at the bye, if you're the Bills, Then you have the Dolphins, Jags, Jets, and Colts. They can win all four of those games, right? I mean, we know they can win, but they should. Now you're at eight and two going to to New Orleans on Thanksgiving and still with the Patriots left twice on your schedule. Falcons and Jets in the back end. I mean, this could be a 12-13 win team here. And then we're talking number one seed to get back to what I was referencing before. I, I, I think the Bills are in prime position to do this. And what I've seen for the first three weeks has not changed my mind at all on what I predicted early in the season. Now, the Rams do look good, and I picked the Bills to beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. The Rams look good. They're one of the better teams in the league. Matthew Stafford is playing great football right now for them, and they're doing what they need to do. They had a big win against the Buccaneers this past Sunday. Um, the Rams are 3-0. and The Cardinals are 3-0. and The Panthers are 3-0. and Panthers, by the way, a team I picked to make the playoffs as a wild card. Right now, they're leading their division, the NFC South. But we all know Josh Allen still needs to play at this type of level. We expect him to play, I should say, at this type of level all year. He doesn't have to for the Bills to win, as I said. With this defense playing the way it is, he does not have to play at an MVP level the entire season. But we expect him to. We expect him to be the Josh Allen we saw in 2020. Is that fair? Maybe not. He gets all that money. He is anointed as the franchise quarterback going forward. He is the league runner-up to league MVP last year to Aaron Rodgers. Now the bar has been set. And after week one, there was a lot of questioning. Okay, what's going on here? And after week two, maybe even more questioning. Yeah, 35 points, but Josh doesn't look right. He had 56% completion percentage over two weeks. Comes out against Washington. Completes 74% of his passes on 43 throws. Great numbers right there. 358 yards passing, four touchdowns, one running touchdown. And now he's got the Houston Texans on the horizon, and Josh could very well be in store for another big day. I would say don't 
like discount the Texans because you should never discount any team in the NFL. And that is true. But I'm also going to say there's no reason whatsoever the Bills should not really take this team and just make sure that they're not even in the game from from the get-go. That should be what should happen. Now, one kind of little, you know, thing that you got to think about here is the Bills do have two night games after this. National TV, Sunday night at Kansas City. First time they played on Sunday night football, like this early in the season, ever. So, I mean, this isn't like a flexed game later. It's not the Steelers in December. This is early season at Kansas City. Big indicator for both teams. Then it's Monday night at Tennessee the week after that. They got a couple big games on the road. Conference opponents, teams that they want to, teams they lost to last year, also coincidentally in back-to-back weeks. And in night games. I guess one was an evening game with Kansas City when they had the postponement. So the one thing you think about is you hope that they're not looking ahead. Ah, yeah, we got Houston this week. Davis Mills is coming to town. That's the one thing you hope doesn't happen. I don't think it will with this team. Sean McDermott's teams don't do that. They're just not that team. They're, they're consistent. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. They don't look ahead. They don't look back. They forget about their losses quickly and move on. And they don't look forward too much to the, or at all to the, to the games on the horizon. At least it doesn't seem like that. They've been very good about maintaining that space, if you will. So I think that's the one thing you'd think about. And I will say, if the game gets out of hand on Sunday, and the Bills are up by, you know, 20-plus points in the fourth quarter, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bills and Sean McDermott back off just a little bit, knowing they do have a couple of really important conference games coming up right after that. Just wouldn't be surprised if that happens. You know, they did get some of the, uh, they get, did get the offensive line out last game, very late in the game, but the defense was in there primarily the whole game. I think they probably would have gone out if the Texans got the ball really late, but it had already passed that time. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case on Sunday. This defense is playing at an incredible level right now. And I, I think it's the defense we expected to see last year that just did not come out of the gate like that. Took till about week eight or so for it to really start to come around. And even then, it never really got to the quite the level a lot of people expected and thought they would, but they were better. Star Latulale returning has helped a lot in the run defense. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, I know a lot of people, still a polarizing guy. Tremaine's always going to be polarizing. He's, to me, he's playing good football, not great, not making game-changing plays, but I think his biggest asset is doing his job and being uh, and being on the field and, and, and has, having to account for him because of his, his length and his range, and that allowing Matt Milano to do his thing. Matt Milano's been incredible. He's playing at an all-pro level right now. Matt Milano signed a contract extension with the Bills this offseason for just over $10 million a year. A lot of you listening to this said, oh my God, why are you paying that guy? That's way too much. He's hurt all the time. He, he's, he gets, he does, he's not a good cover guy. My gosh. I hope all of you are realizing now why the Bills paid Matt Milano to stay and thinking maybe he's underpaid, to be honest with you. He's been incredible, Matt Milano. But I think a lot of why he's been as good, A, he is healthy, and B, he's playing next to Tremaine Edmonds, who's doing his job. And this is a defense predicated upon everybody doing their job. And if they are, then everything works a lot better. And that's the kind of thing that shines. A guy like Matt Milano who can fly around the field. Question about cornerback number two coming into the season. Levi Wallace, week one, had a tough penalty against him. Then he had he was beat on a play in the end zone where he tipped the ball up. And Dante Johnson um, caught it for a touchdown. But I think he's played pretty solid the, the last two weeks. 
And we all know that Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are just absolute um, nails back there, you know, at safety. So this defense together now for three, four years, five years for Milano. Think about that. Milano, White, Poyer, Hyde, Jerry Hughes. Who am I forgetting? I think Starr came over the year after that, right? These guys have been here for five years. Now, of course, Hughes has been here longer than that, but I mean in this system with Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott for five years altogether. Key players, key components. And then you throw in the guys who've been here for four years, like Tremaine Edmonds, like Star Latulale, who did opt out last year, but you get the point. Ed Oliver in his third year. I mean, they've all been here. They've all been together. Um, this is what Levi Wallace's fourth year, right? Yeah, he came in in 2018 as an undrafted free agent. And these guys aren't old. They're pretty young, actually. It's a young defense. That's what's really exciting about the future. The immediate future is Bills, Texans on Sunday at 1 p.m. Maybe you're going. Uh, last week, I know a lot of you heard me talk about it on the radio. My seven year old son, Max, went to his first ever Bills regular season game. And now everybody says he's got to keep going because they won 43 to 21. He saw a great game. It was so cool for him to watch dad on the field and do his thing. And he's seen me at practices or he went to a couple of preseason games, but for that type of atmosphere, that type of intensity, me being down there, him enjoying the game, me looking up and watching him enjoy the game. It was just such a, such a good feeling for any dad, anybody, you know, and love seeing that. How about the kid that uh, Emmanuel Sanders gave the ball to, right? And that, oh my God, did you see that reaction from that kid? Amazing. Emmanuel Sanders, by the way, I haven't even talked about him. What an addition he's been to the offense to help Josh Allen. This guy is like, he's 30-something years old. He's um, he's the deep threat on the team right now is what he is. It's looking really good. But really, last week, just going back real quick, um, Max had a great time, and it was really cool. This is how, I want to give you an example of the community Buffalo is, okay? So a few years ago, we did a roast. WGR Sports Radio 550, we do the roast. Uh, we've had a bunch of those over the years. Haven't had one in a couple of years, pandemic-related and more. But had a roast a few years ago. I always meet new listeners at these events that we do. Happened to meet a couple, and I'll tell them their, your, their names, uh, Chris and Vanessa. And Chris and Vanessa are big Bills fans who live in Pennsylvania, but kind of more near like New York City. And they are... Um, I think, I think near New York city, but in Pennsylvania, like not too far from the New York border, I guess I'd say maybe it's closer this way, but don't exactly know where they live. Anyway, the point is met them. They were a fabulous couple, really hit it off, talked, exchanged some information and numbers and things like that. Haven't talked in a couple of years though. I actually saw them at the playoff game against the Ravens last year. That was really cool. We we're hugging each other. Yeah. Bill's going, you know, to the AFC championship game, things like that. So I'm on the radio on pregame. And I'm talking about Max going to his first game and how this is his first game. It's going to be really cool. And I get a text from Chris, who I haven't heard from since, you know, right around like last year, the Ravens game, or maybe even before that. And he says, hey, heard you talking about Max and Yana, my wife, going to the game. Well, guess what? We're in the camper lot. Here's our lot spot. Tell them to come by. Join us for our tailgate. Just because he heard me on the radio, I forward the message to my wife, Yana. She's like, yeah, that's really cool. She actually was already going over to meet with Jeremy White and Molly, uh, who I work with on the radio, Jeremy and his wife, Molly. And she was already over, going over to the camper lot to do that because we know them. And then she walked over to the other spot and said, hey, I'm Sal's wife. Yeah, we remember you. We met you at the roast, all that. And they had a great time. And it was so cool. And after the game, 
They tailgated some more. I went over. I went into the camper lot, met some more people, hung out with them. That's Buffalo, man. That's the community. That's Bill's Mafia. That's Bill's fans. And it's so cool. Max had a great time. He got a certificate. Billy Buffalo certificate. First game has his name on it. The date. If you go to a game, your first game ever, your kid goes to a game, even you adults, doesn't matter. Get a certificate. Says my first Bills game. You can do that. So uh, it was a great game for him to be a part of. Hopefully the Bills will take care of business just like that. And even more so maybe on Sunday against Davis Mills and the Houston Texans and head coach David Culley, by the way, who was here in Buffalo uh, as the quarterback's coach for Tyrod Taylor, uh, the year that the Bills broke the drought in 2017, Sean McDermott's first year as head coach. So we did it. We're back. South Sports and Stuff podcast. Subscribe to this. Subscribe to the Extra Point Show. I'm glad to get back on here with you. My plan is to come by a little bit more often now that I'm a little more settled in what I'm doing with the Extra Point Show and how all that works out, doing interviews, talking bills, whatever it is. I'm glad to uh, be able to bring it to you, but I really appreciate you sticking with me here and understanding. And I'm super sorry I haven't spoken to all of you in a few months, uh, but now we're back, like I said, and looking forward to it. All right. We'll catch you on the Extra Point Show. Don't forget, WGR Sports Radio 550 every single day, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Uh, I'll be down at the stadium on Wednesday doing the show from there. Joe DiBiase is going to be back in studio. I think John Scott from Spectrum is going to join us on the air. We'll do that. Uh, we got John Harris, the sideline reporter for the um, Houston Texans. Every Friday, we have Sean McDermott on with us at 1030, 1040 in that range. And Patrick Hammer from Channel 2, weatherman, meteorologist, he joins us to give us a weather update. And that's all on the Extra Point Show. So subscribe to that. If you can't listen during the day live, that's a podcast as well, just like this is. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. 
That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.